0: on a Friday after Liverpool were beaten in Toulouse, three goals to two, as a result of a combination of their own arrogance, their own poor performance, their own dismissive nature to defending and one of the strangest officiating calls you'll ever see on what should have been a late equaliser. It would have been an undeserved equaliser, but we should have had a late equaliser all the same. Um, Not a good showing. The Reds lined up with Kelleher and Goal. Uh, He had a terrible game, another terrible game. And Cuevin has definitely regressed significantly over the past 18 months due to not playing nearly enough. From where we were after we won the League Cup and he obviously played a, a big role in that and then played a role in winning the FA Cup to where we are now, it's like two totally different goalkeepers. And it's not overly surprising. The guy hasn't played nearly enough football in his career. He's soon to turn 25. I think he's played 27 games of senior football in his career. Uh, His opponent last night, the Toulouse goalkeeper, is 18, turns 19 in March. And by the time he hits 19, he will probably have played more games than Callagher at that point or very close. By the end of this season, He will absolutely have played more games than Kelleher has played in his career, despite being six and a half years younger. Um, Gomez started right back, did okay, went to left back, did okay. Not great, but not the worst. Matip had a stinker. Very, very soft, very passive. Not dominant nearly enough. Should should be the lead centre-back when partnered with Kwanzaa. Doesn't seem to want the responsibility. Uh, Very fortunate to be given a free kick when he was just really out-muscled. Gerald Kwanzaa had probably his worst game um, for Liverpool. Just looked a little bit uncertain, was a little bit slow to do certain things. Tried to be a little bit Virgil-esque on their opening goal. And just, you're not that guy. So just, you know, go meet the man. Um, Costas started left back was hopeless and got hold off at half time in midfield we had Harvey he tried he ran his arse off and he was crap uh, Endo was crap and got taken off at half time before he got sent off Alexis started in the other eight position showed really promising signs and then because of the change at half time had to go back to being the six and really struggled in that role Doak started, he's very, very fun. He produces absolutely nothing. He can beat a man and he can't do anything else. So I'm not really sure why he's getting senior game time at the moment. Uh started, we might as well have played with 10. Diaz started and for about 10 minutes, there was real promising signs that he was well up for it. And then he just drifted out of the game. Darwin came on, the only notable thing he did was get booked. And laugh at an opponent. Jota came on and scored, scored a good goal. So there was that. Mo came on and did nothing other than get clattered by their goalkeeper. Uh, Zabozlai came on, he had a poor performance. And Trent came on and was abysmal. And whereas it was 1 0 at half time, and you felt like we were a little bit unfortunate to be behind. We were much worse in the second half with Trent and Mo and Dominic on the pitch. Uh, Trent's attitude to defending is, at this point, very, very concerning. If you watch back their third goal, it's really, really worrying. The ball is is played very slowly across to their right-hand side, our left. Trent is kind of in the right-side centre-back channel as he retreats towards goal, he looks, he sees the left winger, he looks again and he sees again the same player and makes no effort to close out on him and shut him out of the play, continues to run in the same straight line and take up a position in no-man's land where... The ball is on the other side of the pitch. There's one to lose player in our box. He is the other side, marked by Kwanzaa with Matip between Trent and Kwanzaa. There's nobody making a break into the box on Trent's side. So he's not cutting out any kind of pullback. There is just the man at the back post who Trent has given comfortably 10 yards of space to. It's a simple ball played across. Trent makes, I don't even think you'd call it a half-hearted effort to close out, makes little to no effort to block the cross. Now, Kelleher makes an absolute pig's ear of things, but Trent's defensive work is genuinely, it's a disgrace at this point. This is the vice captain, and that's the effort level level he's putting in. Uh, This is the vice captain, and he also decided that the best thing he could do was going potter about in the left wing when you're meant to be the right back who's inverting into midfield and then unverting back out or whatever the fuck the word would be, back out to right back. Instead, he's pissing about in the left wing. He's taking shots on from 30 yards that are never even going to tickle the goalkeeper's palms. Sailing over the crossbar. A really, really immature performance from the club vice-captain. No effort at all in his defensive work. Had one idiot tell me, well, he won more ground duels than Endo and McAllister. He didn't win any tackles. What he did was he dribbled past a couple of people in space. That's what he did. He didn't do anything else. He was shocking last night and... His form this season is very, very concerning. He's not the only one. Gakbo's form is very concerning. Matip, after a strong start of the season, has dropped off a little bit. Gomez is playing pretty well. Costas is an absolute unmitigated disaster since coming into the team. And you really do have to question the logic in why we gave him a new contract. Because he needs to be sold next summer. And we need to sign a new left back. Ideally, a starting left-back, because Andy Robertson's time as a starter is over. You'd have to question why we signed Endo. You'd have to question why we paid so much money for him. And why we gave him a four-year contract. He, he's not good enough. He just isn't good enough. He can't play the style of football we want to play. He was used to playing a certain way at Stuttgart, which was largely back to the wall football. Backs to the wall, struggling to stay in the division. Without him, they're third in the league. Now, that's not because they got rid of him, but they're third in the league now. But he didn't play in a team that ever finished that high in the Bundesliga. He played in a team that struggled to stay in the division and then had to fight to get back in the division after they got relegated. It's not great. Not great. We've got a raft of injuries in midfield right now. Curtis is injured. Gravenberg is injured. Thiago, always injured. Pesetic, injured. We're also missing Andy Robertson. Alexis is suspended. Pretty bare bones for this weekend. You'd be struggling to put together a midfield that makes any sense and puts confidence in your approach to this game against Brentford. Dominic will start, and after that, there's no one good enough to be starting Premier League games Liverpool in midfield who's fit and ready to go. Harvey's not a midfielder and never will be. Klopp can play him there a thousand times. He's never going to be a midfielder. And Endo, just he's not up to scratch. He's not up to scratch in the Europa League. Premier League is a whole different beast. And Brentford are good in midfield. Jensen's very good. Norgard is very good. Onyek is hit and miss. But Janelt when he plays in there, he's very good as well. Norgard would improve us significantly. And I saw someone ask, what other Premier League sides would Endo start for? And I thought, that's actually quite interesting because there's not a... There's not a whole pile of elite defensive midfielders knocking around. There's some very good ones, but in terms of elite ones, there's only a handful. There's The the best of the best is obviously at Manchester City and Rodri. He wouldn't start there. Doesn't start for Spurs. Basuma is tremendous. Doesn't start for Arsenal. Thomas Partey is excellent. Doesn't start for Villa. They've got Kamara. He's outstanding. Newcastle of Bruno Gomeric. Brighton are little bit ropey in midfield this year, but they've got Beliba, and I'd much rather have him than Endo. Um, Manchester United, as bad as they are, they still have Casemiro. And I know he can't run anymore, but he's still Casemiro, and he's still a good player. Brentford have Norgard. Chelsea have Caicedo. Palace, they've got Takure, who's outstanding. West Ham, they've got a really good defensive midfielder in in Edson Alvarez, Nottingham Forest have both Mangala and Sanger. Wolves have Bubacar Traore and Lamina. Fulham have Polina. Everton have Onana. Luton? He'd start for Luton over Marvellous Nakamba. Bournemouth? If Tyler Adams was fit, he wouldn't start for Bournemouth. Burnley? He'd probably start for Burnley. Sheffield United? I think I'd take Vinicius. I think Burnley and Luton are the the only teams he'd start for in the league. And Bournemouth, obviously, with Adams out. You could start him in midfield with Vinicius for Sheffield United because you'd probably want to be quite defensive-minded if you're managing them. So let's say three, four with the fellow missing at Bournemouth. But they're the bottom four. They're the bottom four. And unfortunately, I do think that's his level. Now, I like the guy. He seems like he's very dedicated. He's very hardworking. He's honest. He wants to do well. And there's moments where... He does things and you think that's really good. Do more of that. Like last night, he goes and picks the ball up off the centre back, turns, fires it through the line, right into Alex's feet. And now we're 25 yards up the pitch and Alexis is moving in a retreating defence. That's really good. Then there's moments where the ball is between his feet and he does a weird shuffle, almost like he doesn't know which foot he's meant to kick with. He didn't win a single ground duel last night. didn't win a single tackle last night. That's not good. He got booked for a bad foul. And then he could easily have been sent off. And it genuinely wouldn't surprise me if the referee went to Klopp at halftime and said, look, get him off because I'm sending him off the next time he fouls anybody. The only reason I think he wasn't sent off last night is because it was the first half. I think if that foul takes place two minutes into the second half, he's off. Um, He clearly wants to do well. And there's probably a role in the squad for him. But it's it's not starting Premier League games. It definitely isn't starting Premier League games. He might actually be more comfortable doing the Trent inverted thing from right back. I don't know if he'd be good at it, but he might be more comfortable doing that than doing what he's currently doing. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's not good. That's not good at all. I said it in the summer. We left ourselves short. We didn't sign the six we needed. We spent a better part of 50 million on Gravenberg and on Endo when that money should have gone towards a defensive midfielder. Endo's been poor. Gravenberg's been average. He's looked good against lower-caliber opposition like Leicester and in the Europa League, and he hasn't looked good in the Premier League or against Bournemouth in the Cup. He's had flashes in the league, little flashes where you think, right, that's what you want to build on. But other than that, I mean, he doesn't doesn't impact games. He doesn't impact games doesn't get on the ball nearly enough, doesn't get on the ball in the right areas, doesn't impact games. He was praised as being sensational in the derby for recycling the ball. Very, very rarely did he actually do anything productive because the gravenberg sabas lie thing doesn't work. There's no balance in that midfield, especially if you've got Alexis as the six. He plays much better with Curtis than he does with Dominic. But then Dominic plays much better with Curtis than he does with Gravenberg. Dominic's performances have actually dipped since Curtis went out of the team. I would have liked to have seen how it would have looked last night if Alexis had still been the other eight rather than Harvey. I think that could have been quite interesting. But all things considered, last night was just a clown show. We were dreadful. The... Referee decided that he was the reason people paid in on the gate and made it about himself. And then the VAR nonsense at the end was just, I mean, literally spectacular nonsense. Um, This is Anfield have the last word on last night's game. They have a bit about the VAR situation, a bit about Endo. Um, Diogo Jota denied all-time Liverpool record despite goal versus Toulouse. Let's see. Okay, according to Optus Michael Reed, defeat for Liverpool meant that Jota was unable to equal Steve Nichols' all time record of scoring in 39 games and never losing. That is, that is fairly impressive that he, he'd gone 38 games. So the best records for scoring for Liverpool and never losing. Steve Nichol, 39 goals, or 39 games he scored in, rather, uh, resulting in 31 wins and 8 draws. Peter Crouch, 34 goals, 34 games scored in, 29 wins, 5 draws. John Warke, 30 go- games scored in, 26 wins, 4 draws. Gibril Cissé, 21 games scored in, 18 wins and three draws. And then there's five players on 17 games scored in. Jota had 32 wins and six draws in games he'd scored in before last night. That's mad. I genuinely didn't know that. I certainly wouldn't have guessed. I knew the nickel thing. I didn't realise Jota was, had, had never lost in a game he'd scored in. I'm really surprised by Peter Crouch and Gibralt Cissé. I'm not surprised by John Moore, because when he was at the club, we were, I mean, we were the best team in Europe by a country mile. Um, but I am surprised by by Crouch and Cissé. Um, now, obviously, we didn't lose a ton under Benitez. I'm, I'm actually more surprised that their records don't have a lot more draws in them, because we felt like we drew a lot under Rafa. I could be wrong, maybe we didn't, but it felt like we did um John Warke is a is a forgotten name in our history because obviously he's best known for his time at Ipswich, and he didn't really settle fully at Liverpool. I don't think I think Ipswich was where he was at his most comfortable. he'd been brilliant for them, joined us four years at the club, went back to Ipswich. Um, he was 27 when we bought him as well. Like He was banging his prime. But you look at that... You look at that 84-85 um, season, he scored 27 goals. 27 goals. The only season he played regularly for us, he had a lot of injuries, whereas he'd been a machine for Ipswich. Like The numbers at Ipswich are outrageous for a midfielder. 10 goals in 38 games across all competitions. The next season, he had a bunch of injuries, and he played 26 games, but got seven goals. Then in 78-79, he plays in 55 games, gets nine goals. Now, bear in mind, at this point in his career, he's playing mostly as a defensive midfielder. Then he gets unleashed, just gets let off the the, the leash altogether. And in the 80-81 season, he plays sixty-four games, which is incredible. He scores thirty-six goals. Then he goes and plays fifty-five games in eighty-one, eighty-two, twenty-three goals. Eighty-two, eighty-three. He plays forty-nine games, twenty-three goals. His last season there, he had some injuries. He played thirty-eight games in all competitions, scored eleven goals. Then he joins us. Oh, he joined us through that season. So he played nine times to us, scored two goals. His first full season with us is that four is that eighty four eighty five season. He plays in fifteen sixty two games and gets twenty seven goals. Twenty seven goals. That's outrageous. Then he's injured a lot the next season. He only plays 18 games, but still scores six goals. In 86-87, he plays in 17 games and gets seven goals. When he plays, he's really productive for us, but he doesn't play enough. He leaves the next season, goes back to Ipswich, injured for most of the year. But then he has a little bit of a renaissance. And 88-89, he plays in... 49 games, gets 13 goals. 89-90, he plays in 46 games and scores 10 goals. And again, he's reverted back to playing a bit deeper. Then he went to Middlesbrough for a year and didn't settle there either. So he went back to Ipswich. How he didn't win more than 29 caps, I don't know. 36 goals from midfield. Just think about how mental that is. And it's not like he played as a number ten. He didn't play as a number ten at all. Part of that brilliant Ipswich team under Bobby Robson that won the UEFA Cup. That also won the FA Cup. You got two league titles at Liverpool. Um was PFA player of the year in eighty one. UEFA Cup top scorer in eighty one from midfield. It's pretty special. Um, I don't know why I'm still talking about Ipswich, but there is that. If you are on the lookout for other X-RED, you could throw an eye on the Brazilian Serie A where Grêmio, led by one Luis Suarez, are on an absolute tear. And having been 12 points behind league league, league, league leaders but Botafogo uh, only a couple of weeks ago, they're now leveling points and just behind on gold. If Botafogo have a game in hand, Um, but there's three teams tied on 59 points. There's them, Gremio, and Palmieri's. Then uh, Bragantino are a point behind them with the game in hand. Flamengo have 56 points. They also have played a game less than Gremio and Palmieri's. And you could probably say atletico Mineiro are in this title mix as well. They're five points off top with five games left. But that's a really, really good run-in coming up in that league. Uh, notably, uh, Copa Libertadores winner uh, Fluminense are currently sitting 8th. Um, they are four points below the team above them in 7th. And if you were to take four points off them, they'd actually go to 13th. So they're well outside the mix of the, the top teams and far more a mid-table team in the league which makes their win in the Copa just all the more mental. Um, Boca being in the final is also mental because they're garbage this year. Um, Liverpool.com. Oh, Luis Diaz's father was free. I assume everybody knows that by now, but he was free yesterday. Uh, Liverpool news is Luis Diaz's father speaks about safe return. Moises Caicedo explains. So you don't need to explain it, Moises. Your agent made you move to Chelsea. Everybody is aware that your agent was paid off by Chelsea. That's why you're there. You don't want to be there. That's not the club you grew up dreaming of playing for. You wanted to play for United until you wanted to play for Arsenal. And then you wanted to go to Chelsea because your agent made you go to Chelsea. Um, There's a piece about Salah, a piece about Cade Gordon, a piece about Jamie Carragher and VAR and nonsense around VAR. Um, there is a piece (laughs) there's a piece about Mbappe (laughs) we're not going to be signing Mbappe Uh, there's a piece about Florian Virts and that's about it, that's there Uh, on to AnfieldIndex.com there is a piece about Bobby and him saying that sometimes Mo frustrated everybody with his selfishness, which is probably true, but Mo isn't a selfish player. It's just sometimes he does get sort of tunnel vision. Um, there's a piece about the challenging week we've just had. There is a piece about our goal last night that was ruled out. And IFAB, who make the rules of the game, have said that it was wrongly ruled out. Um Carl Matchett also brought it up on the pod last night, got the actual rules from IFab. And yeah. They the goal should have been allowed. For for multiple reasons. Number one, it hits his body before it hits his arm. So the handball is not is not a purposeful handball. That's not the word I'm looking for, but I can't think what the word I'm looking for is. Um, secondly, it's too many phases back. Like He doesn't score himself or assist himself, so you can't go back that far. That goal should have stood. That referee, um, intentional handball is the fucking word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> that goal should have stood. Simple as that. We We were robbed of a point last night. Even though we didn't actually deserve a point, we were robbed of one. <laughs> Uh, podcast wise, there is the role from last night, myself, Trev and Carl have, have a listen to that. We were not in great form. There is the latest Moby on the spot and the latest under pressure. So do make sure to give a listen to those, uh, Jan lists the top five midfielders he's ever seen some good players in that list, some real good players in that list. Um, and then there is the new scouted, which we have just recorded this morning. Uh, myself and carol just took a a look at brentford and what we can expect this weekend and that's it that's all i have today folks so i will see you all on monday i'll see you on raw on sunday but you know we'll see how the mood is Uh, i'll see you on monday for this uh have a good weekend
1: we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically